Hello, beautiful, and welcome to Finding Fertility. I'm your host, Monica Cox from FindingFertility.co, and I created this podcast to help get you to start thinking outside of the box and realize that your infertility might have nothing to do with your lady bits. Rooted in functional medicine and personal experience, Finding Fertility is all about looking at the whole body and finding the root cause of your infertility. Finding Fertility does not diagnose, prescribe, or treat any issues of infertility. But what we do is take a holistic approach and improve your diet and your lifestyle to get you steps closer to creating your dream family. Just by being here with me listening to this podcast, you're already going down the right path to making your dreams come true. Let's do this together. Happy Friday, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Fertility. I'm your host, Monica Cox, and I am incredibly honored that you are here today becoming the conscious mama you were born to be. Today we have another amazing podcast discovery call. I know they're always all amazing, but I'm just like so honored that I can one do these and another that women are willing to come on and share their stories for you guys to relate to as well. Remember, if you want your own personal discovery call, there is the link down in the show notes and make sure you are on the email list when I call out for new participants for the podcast discovery calls. So without further ado, let's get to today's episode. So why don't you go ahead and tell me about what's been going on about your journey? Okay. Um, so I have had, I've been pregnant twice. Um, once when I was 19, I did terminate the pregnancy uh, again at 26, which ended in a miscarriage. Um, I wasn't trying to get pregnant. I was actually on birth control at the time. Um, and so didn't really think much of it because I wasn't like I was sad in the moment, but I, I didn't really think in terms of, you know, there might be something wrong. Uh-huh. Uh, I kind of was thinking the opposite, like how did I get pregnant while I was on birth control? Um, and then I remember my doctor saying, you know, add a second kind of birth, a second type of birth control or, or condoms or something, um, to prevent pregnancy in the future. And then I met my husband and he had a vasectomy from a previous marriage of, it had been over 15 years when I met him. Um, they did try to do reversal. It failed. Um, at that point I was. 35. When I turned 36, I said, well, we kind of have to figure out what we're going to do. Um, Because my doctors were sort of pushing me saying, well, you should probably like at least have a plan now. Um, And did two IUIs with donor sperm, sorry, three IUIs with donor sperm and none worked. Um, And moved on to a round of IVF. My numbers are really good, by the way. Um, like I have my AMH and FSH and um, what else are you looking at? Is, is um, I just turned 40 is what it was when I was like 33. Yep. So my numbers haven't really changed. Um, so I'm quite, it's quite high for my age. Like I think my AMH is still, you guys use different numbers. So two, yeah. I think it's at two. Mm-hmm. Um, and FSH is like five. Um, so I went into my first round of IVF with 
I think they saw like 25 or 26 eggs and kind of, I just was thinking in my head, okay, this is a, you know, a one-time thing. <laughs> it's going to be no problem. I expected a whole bunch of embryos. I was thinking that, you know, I was going to have to donate them. And what was I going to do with all these extra embryos? And they, the problem with the fertility clinic I went to is it was in a different city. And he didn't see me until day 12 of my stims. And unfortunately, he said that he thought that my AMH was uh, over-exaggerated by the lab because of my age. So I was 37 at the time. So he actually gave me quite a low stim protocol and no, um, I didn't do any birth control or anything before my, I think he gave me like four days worth. So by the time I got to see him, my first six or seven eggs were already cooked, like they were gone. Um, so he tried to get my other ones to catch up. And I think a few of them did. Anyways, long story short, we only got 15 eggs, 10 fertilized, and six made somewhat of blasts. And I had three day six embryos. Two were very good quality. One was lower-ish quality. Um, none implanted. Okay. I did not do PGT testing. At the time, we didn't think that it was necessary. Um, I have two autoimmune diseases. I have Crohn's disease and I have ankylosing spondylitis. Um, prior to my um, first round of IVF, I had been on AIP for over a year um, just for myself, trying to avoid being on medication, which yep. did work. Um and before I went for my egg retrieval, actually, I had done um, a scope just to just because I wanted to make sure that there was nothing going on. So I went and they did a scope and I did a like, um, I can't remember what it's called, but my doctor does a it's like a stool test where they test for inflammation in the gut. Yeah. And I was very, very, very low. So he was happy for me to to go ahead with the transfer. Um, because I literally did, every, I was like, okay, this has got to work. And and none of them did. So I'm about to go into round two with a different clinic. It's taken me two years to find a clinic that I felt comfortable with. Every doctor I talked to, and I said, I'm just concerned that maybe my autoimmune disease is playing a role. They've all said, no, that's ridiculous. So this is a new clinic led by females only. Um, it's three and a half hours away from me, but still, I just feel that it's worth, it's worth the drive going to somebody who's, she's been very open-minded. She's been very receptive. Um, but I just, like, I can only do this one more time. I remortgaged my house to be able to do this, which sounds insane, but what do you do? Um, and so I just want to make sure that I've done everything that I can to say at the end of the day, I did everything I could without, um, being so stressed out about being a perfectionist because that has been a, a problem for me in the past. So I either go from that or to, oh, it doesn't matter anyways. Like after my last transfer failed, I was like, honestly, obviously none of this matters. Like, I'm not going to meditate. I'm going to eat gluten. I'm going to do all these things. And it doesn't really matter. To be honest with you, at the end of the day, I don't feel a whole lot different um, physically, but mentally I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Um, at your new clinic, what have they done any type of testing for your autoimmune issue? Have they tested antibodies to see where you're at? So my, I have a rheumatologist and I have a gastroenterologist mm -hmm. um, and both of them have done quite extensive antibody testing that I'm not a hundred percent specific on which, what they've tested, but I've come back, always come back negative. In fact, it was really difficult for them to diagnose me in the first place because they did every test known to man since I was probably 17 and I've never showed any signs of anything other than symptomatically. And they finally went in to do a biopsy of um, the uh, colon, and that's where they found the um, Crohn's. And then they saw my ankylosing spondylitis in my spine um, only because I got uveitis and went blind in one eye, and suddenly it was a medical emergency. And it was actually my ophthalmologist who said, he said, well, what type of autoimmune disease do you have? And at that time I was undiagnosed. I said, I don't have an autoimmune disease. And he said, oh yes, you do. This is an autoimmune reaction. So he sent me for a bunch of testing. I came back positive for HLA B27. And then he sent me for x-rays of my spine, which showed nothing. Um, but I'd had like extensive back and neck pain for years. And so I, when I saw a rheumatologist, she sent me for an MRI and that's when they saw all the inflammation in my, um, joints and mostly in my neck and my back. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. So you feel really confident with, um, gut health. Like you feel like there's a, not a leaky gut issue, are you still I don't on? Think there is any more? Yes, I don't yeah. think there is any more. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes, but there definitely, for sure, there was for a while. Yeah. Um, and are you still doing AIP? Off and on. Off and on. <laughs> my my biggest issue. So, and I'm sure this has a lot to do with it. Um, I have a very stressful job. I run okay. a cancer lab, and it's a very sad job. It's a very hard job. It's a very sad job. Um, and I also have an animal rescue. So I will always put somebody else before myself when it comes time to, I don't really have time to cook for myself right now. So unfortunately I'm going to eat this. And I would say I do follow the 80, 20 rule. Yeah. So as long as I'm meal prepped and ready to go, then I am full AIP. If I'm not, then I am not. Yeah. What kind of lab did you say you run? Sorry. It kind of cut out. Oh, sorry. Uh, I run a cancer research lab. Cancer research lab. Okay. Yeah. And what does that mean? Like you, sorry. Yeah. What does that uh, mean? The cancer, are you so working we, with patients or yeah. just? I'm working with cancer patients. So they're in um, trials. So we're either doing pharmaceutical sponsored trials or we're doing, um, like benchmark trials to find try to find biomarkers and DNA and genetic markers that might um, that we just haven't discovered yet that we might be able to pinpoint and find out if this contributes to cancer and what kind and what does it mean for the future of cancer and can we turn these genes off? So I'm not doing that. Basically, I'm seeing the patients. Um, I recently did a 
uh, my uh, like a next level with my side K, which is a subconscious reprogramming. And there was a retired doctor there. And her dream was to cure cancer when she got into the, her practice. She realized that she was self-sacrificing herself and her life to do something for the greater good. For sure. She's retired because she realized that the self-sacrifice wasn't good for her. Yes, for sure. So when it comes, this is what a lot of people hit a wall with. You've done all the physical things, right? It's the mental, emotional stress levels that is keeping you stuck. Yeah. Right. So my body is flaring up. So we, so that means that's the major focus for you right now. And it's not that your diet and all the physical things that you do are doing aren't working. They are. They're probably keeping you able to keep going like going. Right. Yeah. Right. If you didn't have that regime in there, you you couldn't I don't think you could be doing what you're doing right now and you probably wouldn't have seen any real success with IVF you know getting to that stage with your two diagnosed autoimmune issues right so the hard question is what are you willing to stop doing for others and start doing for yourself to potentially have the success that you want, the family that you want. Right. Yeah, that's tough. And that's where you're at right now. And there's the only right answer is the right answer you come up for with for yourself. Mm-hmm. what intuitively feels good to you right when's your next ivf uh supposedly next month okay um I'm, just, I'm so like i've just been like really it should have been two months ago <laughs> but okay. I'm so just... you're you're still on a timeline that you've made up um yeah well I mean that was their timeline okay they they someone made it up right somebody (laughs) made it up yes but I I just and I've listened to you enough times and I'm like well and at first I was like there's no way I'm gonna do this after 40 like this is crazy and um you know I have to I have to have this baby before I turn 40 and now I'm like well I already turned 40 so (laughs) absolutely it's made up it's all made up is it literally no, I, made up, I right? do know that. And I, you know, I talked myself into that too, but then when it actually comes down to it, like I literally had a panic attack. Yeah. Yeah. Like, really I mean, literally. it's a, it's a real thing, but when you are programmed, when you are running these loops of being type A, overachieving, doing, I have to have this done before this timeline that someone made up and it doesn't happen, you will have a panic attack. 
that's just natural yeah. that's your body's natural response to it yeah it doesn't yeah, sure. it doesn't make it wrong or right it's just what it is right <laughs> and now financially if this is the last go and you and you choose to move forward with it is it really going to be a dramatic distance or difference between next month and six months? I, I hope not. Well, right, the body the just, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the body just doesn't work that way. Right. Yeah. All these like crazy fertility cliffs are, are, it's, it's not true. It's not true. If it was true, no one over 40 would get pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> like that's just, yeah. If what they believe and what they're telling us, you would see no one, especially over the age of 45. Yeah. I think my grandma had her last baby at 46. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that was normal, right? That was, they just kept having babies until they did. <laughs> yeah. Until they hit menopause. They just didn't overthink it. Um, yeah. Did a lot of women have babies later in life? No, because I think back in the days, you didn't live a really long time. So they wanted to start families sooner, right? Mm -hmm. And yes, you are technically have more um, eggs younger in life. Yeah. But it's all down to the cellular health. And most of our grandparents and our great grandparents didn't have to overthink it. The chemicals and the bad food and the stress levels just wasn't a huge issue. It was becoming an issue and they passed yeah. it down unknowingly. <laughs> but for you, it is um you're in a position where you still have time on your side. You're not 45, you're not 50. Those are two different conversations. Okay. You're 40. You have several years. You have and not that I think AMH scores and FAs, I think that's all made up too, because scientists and doctors need reference points right For sure. to yes. make diagnosis and move forward once again they've just taken something that's tangible put it in a box and go that's the standard right there and everyone has to follow it once again yep. but even saying that your scores are good it's not yeah. right like they're still good um so the the race to a finish line and to know what your fate might be is is almost hindering you from to getting to your ultimate goal right no I agree with that for sure so it's really getting settled into your body and looking back now and rearranging those loops and those patterns for you how can you get out of this anxiety mode out of this go uh, oh how can we draw lines and put up bound healthy boundaries mm -hmm. right now in your life which could be a six month um period of time or a two-year period of time right like how much mm -hmm. time am I going to give myself mm -hmm. to do what I want to do which is become a mother Okay. And it's, it's a kind of reverse engineering all the BS that we, we got brought up. 
I mean, that's mm -hmm. just, you are programmed, you are working off a program of your childhood and your adolescence, and you just keep repeating the pattern, keep repeating the pattern, go, 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 go. And unfortunately, when it does come to women, because of like modern day feminism, we can have it all, we can do it all. The truth of the matter is no, you can't, your body can't do it all. It cannot work a 40 hour work week in a high intense pressure cooker place, then run an animal rescue center, then have the stress of infertility and then yeah. travel three and a half hours to clinics and, and then we need money and then we're, we're in the financial stress of it all. Like your body is going to be like, absolutely not. I am in survival mode. For sure. And I don't necessarily, it's hard in these occasions when you aren't working with a loaded gun, meaning the sperm, right? Yeah. It's hard to say, do you actually really have fertility issues? Because yeah. three rounds of IVF and one failed, or sorry, three yeah. IUIs, one failed IVF does not equal right. fertility issues, right? right? It just didn't work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it doesn't dictate your future. So it's really hard in these situations of like um, looking at it as a fertility journey, right? Yes. yes. And to be honest, in, in my life and my experience looking back and now the coaching that I do, this isn't really about a fertility journey. Fertility is just a, like a, almost like a symptom of all the BS that we were dealing with in our life. And it's just a way that um, the universe or God has been like, okay, let's wake up. Let's rearrange the things that aren't really working for us. And I'm going mm -hmm. to give you a difficult challenge to do, help you do that. Right. Because let's just be fair. Like, we're not going to do it without it. <laughs> we'll just yeah. keep going. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um. Okay. And so you don't have to share anything that you don't want to, but this is yep. part of the job is of like digging into it. Why, why do you feel that you are type A, that you're always on the go, that you're a high achiever? Can you stem that back to anything in your childhood, in your life? Yeah. I had um, two alcoholic parents okay. um, growing up. Um, they were not abusive to me. They were abusive to each other. I was the oldest sibling. Um, I had a little sister who I protected and raised. Um, it was a very uncertain household. I never knew if someone was coming home or if they weren't coming home. Um, and yeah, that's where that comes from. Yeah. <laughs> I also, my parents, my mom grew up in a very, um, very strict household with seven brothers and sisters. Her, my grandfather was in the Air Force, so he was in the was very had a lot of rules um I have a very athletic and high achieving family like all of my all of my cousins and everybody is um has been like that everyone has either played professional sports or become um some somebody quite quite big so there was always this expectation that that's just you know what you did if you're gonna do something you better be the best at it um and mm -hmm. yeah that's, that's where that comes from. I had a very serious eating disorder when between the ages of 17 to 20. Yep. Um, I struggled with exercise bulimia and anorexia. 
I was at one point the fastest female under 19, I think, in North America, um, which I used as an excuse for being thin. Yeah. <laughs> I don't actually think I liked running, to be honest with you, um, but it was a it was a really easy way for me to control exactly what happened. Something, mm -hmm. right? To control something. So yeah. what I ate, what I did as exercise and what I looked like, I could control that because I could not control anything else. Yeah. Um, I then had a very, um, horses, it's a horse rescue that we have. Um, I grew up riding horses and then rode professionally for a long time. And it was a horse actually that basically saved my life through, through all of that and helped, helped overcome my eating disorder. I've been to therapists for years and just CBT is like, okay, great. I have the tools, but we're not getting to the root of the problem. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and then unfortunately I lost her in a horrible accident. And as soon as that happened, I spiraled right back to, right back to square one again. Like, I think the very next day I was, you know, suddenly chopping my food up into tiny pieces and counting calories. And I hadn't done that in years. Mm -hmm. uh, and it just, that was my trauma response. Yeah. Um, and that is definitely still with me. I've done some EMDR around it, but um, to be honest with you, I'm not, I don't know that I've ever made it through a full session. It's still very traumatic for me. Okay. Um, and now I currently have six horses. A couple of them are going through some health challenges. And as soon as something like that happens, I get that, <gasps> um, you know, here we go again. And it's hard, right? Like if you have pets, losing pets is hard. Losing anybody is hard. Mm -hmm. But pets don't live that long, unfortunately. And so you, you have to go through that grief more often than you do with people. Well, yeah. Usually. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm um, I do have a therapist that I work through some stuff with. But again, it's uh, it's a very deep, deep wound for me. I definitely lost a piece of myself that day for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think having this um, animal rescue, um, it's obviously supportive, Yeah. but do you find it hard as well? Oh, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Mm -hmm. um, so we don't take in animals anymore. We're like the number that we have is the number that we have, um, but it's very hard. Yes. Mm -hmm. like physically obviously and but emotionally yes yes it is for sure if you were honest with yourself what what outweighs the other the good I don't want to say good or bad but you know obviously you get a, a tremendous amount of amazingness from it for sure for but sure. I can feel that there's a lot of heaviness with it as well. And right now in your life, where's that balance? Yeah. There's fear over loss is what there is. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure that that ties into everything, right? Because I remember that last embryo, I was like, you know, it was just one more. And I feel like every time there's a loss, whether it's a embryo or an animal or whatever it is, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It just stacks on. Yeah. In your, in your therapy, um, are, do you have 
modalities to release that emotion? Not really. Like they all say that they do, but then you just go in there. I just end up sitting there talking. Just talking. Yeah. Yeah. Or something strange will come up when I'm doing EMDR and I'm like, well, that's yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. EMDR, is that the I, I one? Yeah. She uses a buzzer. Like yeah. I use buzzers. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Um, the way the subconscious mind works and the way we store, um, these traumas is all energetic, right? Emotions are energy, right? So if you think about anger, you feel anger, right? Like you can feel the redness, you can feel the hotness bubble up and everyone has maybe a different area in their body that they actually feel it. Um, when we don't know how to release the emotion, it just like stacks up and stacks up and stacks up. So for you, um, there's, I mean, some obvious childhood stuff as well, being the caretaker, having all this immense pressure on you um, against cousins and, and all that kind of stuff, perfection. Um, it just is a recipe for a mm -hmm. modality of control. Mm -hmm. Because that's what eating disorders are. That's what all great addictions are, right? They mm -hmm. are just a form of control because you feel out of control. Um, would you, I, I might have to pause the recording. Would you be up to do a psych case session right now? Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to pause this because I can't, I can't record. Okay. Talk me through how you feel right now. Um like a huge weight was lifted almost. Like when I first started, there was this horrible lump in my throat. Like I was, that I get when I'm about to cry and then this tightness in my chest. And then it kind of just, like it kind of just went away, which I did not expect. I have to say, I was like, okay, well, <laughs> for 20 minutes and I'm going to say it's not going anywhere. Yeah. It's because when I have done EMDR with this, it gets worse to the point where they, she has to take me out. Yeah. I'm not an expert in those modalities, so I can't say why that might be. Um, and I'm not saying Psych K is the right answer for everyone, but my understanding of Psych K is uh, it, it's so simple that it's overlooked. And all you're doing, and you're doing it, I... I um, I only do a small portion by helping you find the quickest way to get there because you're in a whole brain state mm -hmm. and then it's all you. You're taking that energy and you're basically alchemizing it and you're releasing it. You're you're just letting it go. Wow. And it's that simple. Um, you are in connection when you're in a whole brain state to your higher self and uh, whatever you call God, universe, spirit, divine. And you're just in alignment and that's just all it is. Um, so I really hope this really helps because I felt very called to um, heal that for you <laughs> because I can feel, I can feel it for you that that was a huge um, block in a lot of areas of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is this 
um, is what you want to be focusing on for, on yourself right now. Um, I'm not saying don't do the IVF in a month, but what I would suggest is know that IVF will be there for you. You know, it's the way you have to get pregnant. You know, it's the way you're going to, your journey is, um, your eggs are not going to change in a negative way, dramatically hell over the next three years of your life. And if you can surrender to the timeline and thinking all, you know, I had to do it. I was supposed to have two kids by 30, right? Yeah. But I tell you, when I gave birth at 37, it did not matter. It just didn't. My age didn't matter. And to be honest, I'm glad that I took the time to sort the things that I needed to sort out because it made motherhood so much easier. Yeah. With your background, um, if you take the time to heal um, these, you know, emotional distressors that put you at a dis-ease, the likelihood of you passing this down, because basically what our parents do, they just come with the luggage, you know, they just pass it on to us, most of them unknowingly. And, you know, we have to give them grace. They were in a different time. We're living in a time that we can um, gain this knowledge quite quickly and do that for ourselves, but we have to take the time to do it so we can be the generational breakers. And I do feel for a lot of women that are doing all the physical things right, still not seeing the success they want, there is a portion um, of you that does need to change these things. Because there's a fear inside of you that you're going to do the same to your child and you don't want to. So you put up a block and that just blocks you. It's a subconscious thing that is blocking you. You don't really want it to succeed because you're going to repeat the cycle, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's what you're subconsciously thinking consciously. Of course you want it to succeed. Of course, you know, you're, you're doing all these crazy things, mortgaging your house and the diet and this and that you know so consciously you have all this information but it's your subconscious that is um driving driving the thing um so for you I would work on taking the time keep healing what you know you need to be healed and then um keep digging it's a layered thing right? So every modality out there, there's no quick fix. It's a very layered process. Um, Obviously, Solosite K can get you there a lot quicker than most modalities. Um, And it's, um, it's just so beneficial to the rest of your life, because then you will be able to put up boundaries and not be type A, do the job you love. If you still love to be in that cancer research lab, but show up with an open heart and show up um, in a way that you can really serve instead of showing up, just dragging your feet, exhausted, sad, you know, all these things. We just keep pushing ourselves through life Mm -hmm. and we should be enjoying it. Mm -hmm. Um, Being able, I think um, for you to in a family that is so competitive and high achieving and has these high standards being okay with not impressing people yeah you know yeah. like what has it got you <laughs> what is it ever going to get you yeah 
You know, yeah. if if you're not in love with yourself and you're not living your life for yourself, then what's the point of living? You know, um, but I think that you um, are obviously very open. You're very honest. You know what is behind some of these things. And so the knowledge is always the first step. It's when you're able to look at yourself and go, okay, there's time there. It's time to change things. Right. Um, and then the next action step is actually doing it, showing up yes. for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, I was on a call the other day um, about a woman who needed to set boundaries with her mother on the phone. And I said, well, have you told your mom this? Yeah, I've told her, but then she like will be good for two or three days and then she'll continue on. I said, well, why do you take the phone call? Just don't answer the phone. Set, you, you have to set the boundaries. That person's never going to change. Yeah. And they might change after you change, but if you keep letting them call you, you answer the phone, then you sit on the phone with them for 20 minutes, hear their BS. It's actually you still continuing that cycle. Yeah. That's so- yeah. How does that feel? Really good. And I can't thank you enough for doing that for me. Yeah. God, my pleasure. Easily. And also just the the timeline thing, right? Because it's, mm -hmm. it's different when somebody is saying it to you. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely. Just, it feels different, right? It feels different. Yeah. It's made up. It's all, <laughs> literally all made up. And you'll see when you get to where you want to be, you'll understand more of why things happened the way they did you know when you're in the thick of it you, it's it's hard yeah. and at the end of the day you get to choose the meanings of life right it's all choices how do you how do you choose to feel about those situations um so if you want to choose a different you can and then it's just having the tools behind you to to um subconsciously do that Yes. Yeah. Um, just for everyone listening, I tell you how to get into a whole brain state in my PDF, um, the six steps to boost your em embryos. This is all in the energetics. Um, everyone can do this for themselves. Obviously, as a site K facilitator, I'm just able to um, get you there a little quicker. So it's not a special, I don't have a special power. <laughs> this is not, I, I'm not an amazing intuitive person. Um, a little bit, a little bit. I'll give myself a little bit. But um, this is not um, a modality. You can get trained in it yourself quite quickly. Um, but just everyone to know, just put yourself in a whole brain state and sit with the, that emotion and release it. Let it be there you know, because we keep stuffing it down. We use the, you know, the eating disorders or the alcohol or the food, you know, like whatever the modality is to keep shoving our emotions down. We're told not to cry. We're told not to express it. We're, you know, when we we're off of the recording, you said, um, one of your therapists said you made something up, you know, and it's really just sitting there being with yourself allowing it to alchemize and releasing it and letting it go. And I know it sounds super simple and it's harder when you first start, but the more you keep doing it, the more you peel back those layers, um, you're actually like looking around like, okay, what else can I do? <laughs> what can I switch? You know, um, it gets, it, it gets quite exciting because 
you start living your authentic life and you feel happy and fulfilled again, which I know um, during my fertility struggles, um, it, it was, there was dark, dark days, you know? So yeah, I'm really happy for you. I'm really excited for you because you see your inner power. You, you know that you can do this for yourself. Um, was there any other questions that you had? <laughs> I know I feel like I've left you a little bit speechless, but <laughs> no, no, I just thank you for setting the safe space. Cause I know it's something that you can do on your own, but if you don't feel like if somebody hasn't set that safe space for you, um, especially with a big trauma, I, I, so I thank you for doing that because yeah. that's a huge part of it. Yeah. My pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Stick with your diet. It's working. I know it's frustrating at times, but it, it is very important, especially when you, I feel um, in this journey, what I'm seeing is that it's not, I don't want to talk about levels, but like, as you're walking down this road, the more you walk down, um, the easier it is to, you know, alchemize these things. So when you're at the beginning of an autoimmune issue and you're still dealing with a lot of emotional and mental and energetic factors, working on the physical body is the easier task because it's tangible and yes. it's not scary. So you've done a lot of the hard work and now it's just time to open Pandora's box and, really get to the root cause of what caused those issues in the first place. The little you talked about your childhood, it does not surprise me that you had two full-blown autoimmune issues. Um, they are simultaneously um, energetic and physical. And a, a lot of people don't realize all these kind of physical issues that we have um, even though the research and the physical things, um, even medication at times are so important, so many people can radically change their lives when they get to the energetic level of why it's there in the first place or why it got passed down. You know, if it is a genetic factor, why does it run in your family? And you can be this cycle breaker. You know, for me, my big things when I learned about epigenetics, um, knowing that I have two boys now and my husband's side of the family, um, his father, his brother, and his grandfather all had um, prost prostate cancer. So my husband will deal with it at some point of his life. And I'm just hoping that we have done what we can do to minimize the risk of them ever developing it um, or having issues with it later in life. You know, it's supposed to be an old man's problem. And my brother-in-law is not even 50 and he yeah. found it. So that's my main, that's our main, um, I work in neurological cancer. So it is, yeah, it's very common in, in younger men and it's like, people don't think that, but it actually is. And it's usually genetic in that. Yeah. Which yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. But even though you have something genetically, it's your environment that expresses it right. and your environment is not only your diet and your supplements and your environmental toxins and all that, it's your energetics. If you right. are sitting like with this, this is why I felt like I needed to move this for you or help you move it for yourself um, is because you are, you are energetically carrying that on and that is causing disease for you. You know, your body's at dis-ease. So yeah, yeah, I'm excited for you, my friend. 
um, yeah, you're going to be able to, you know, really start looking into this side of your journey, hyper-focus on that, make empowered decisions about when you use treatment, when you're ready, not okay. someone else's timeline. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thank All you right. so much. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for uh, showing up <laughs> and, and sharing your story on the podcast as well. Pleasure to meet you. I'll send you an email with a few more resources for you to dive into um, and how you can work with me if you want to continue working with me in the future. Um, and yeah, I'm just really grateful and proud of you. Thank <laughs> you. All right, my, my friend. Bye. Bye. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Finding Fertility podcast. If you're loving this podcast, please leave us a rating and review and let us know how this podcast is supporting you to get steps closer to creating your dream family. I hope you have a beautiful weekend and we will see you next Friday for another episode of the Finding Fertility podcast.